Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Living, it's alive and it's relevant to today. Speak to my heart. Speak to my heart as I bring this word. Speak to our hearts as we receive this word. And Lord, may it live in our hearts. May it grow in our hearts. And Lord, may we touch this world. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Summer in Galatia. Paul addressed the need to be called. Every one of us are called. We all have a specific purpose that God has called us to. He also addresses the fact that there is no other gospel. There are many gospel messages that can go around. There are many trains of thoughts. There are many gods, small g gods, but there is no other gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. He talks us and leads us into how to live in freedom through the life of the Spirit. And he contrasts the difference between always trying to get to God through law and through receiving the wonderful grace of God that is a free gift. But in my concluding morning that I have with you, I want to teach you. I want to, I want to teach you. That's why I've asked you to get your pads and your pens. Because I want to take us to Galatians 6. And this is a really simple word. But what I've realized is this. It will be a very challenging word to every single one of us. I wonder if we could just have the clock running just so I can keep on time. Thank you. Let me take you for a moment to Galatians 6. And we'll begin at verse 1. And in a moment, I'm going to read 10 verses. Then I'm going to quickly just make some comments around. But really where I want to center my thoughts is on verse 9 and verse 10. Everybody say verse 9, verse 10. That's where I want to go to, so just stay with me. But it's important that if you ever read in the Bible, don't just take one isolated verse. Read around the text. Because there's stuff that God wants to say to us around it. And that's what I thought was important. So let's read the Bible together, shall we, from verse 1 of Galatians 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whatever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, 
Let us do good to all the people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. These are Paul's concluding remarks to the churches in Galatia, modern-day Turkey, a collection of churches that he wrote to. As I've already said, he highlighted some very important things, but he chooses to take some thoughts that really will just ground much of what he shared in the previous chapters. And he begins by making an important thought, and these are just for your notes, really. And these are important because these have happened from the first century to where we are in the 21st century and they still happen in church. What am I saying? Well, he says, if anyone falls into sin, restore them gently. Let me say there are times as a pastor, I hear things and people come and confess things. To me, I was reflecting on it this morning. Many things that I know about people in the life of this church that I will never repeat to anybody else. And my heart is... And Paul isn't saying that we brush over the sin. We have to deal with the sin. Listen, if there's sin in our life, we have to deal with it. But we always want to do it gently. Are you hearing me? We always want to do it gently. We have a, we have a thought around the life of the church here. If something becomes public, then we have to deal with it publicly. I remember an occasion when something was hitting the press. Lisa will know where I'm going to. There was a guy who was part of our church at that time, and there was some news that came out. We were very aware of it. We were dealing with it privately, and the leaders were. But unfortunately, Ilkeston Advertiser got hold of it, and they were going to pl- splash our... You remember the picture of the church and my name on it? I got on that phone, and I got hold of that journalist, and I basically said, if you run that story, you're going to have me to deal with. You do not run that story. You pull back that story. Remember, you pull back that story. He says, well, we have, a, we have to just give a few details. He says, I don't mind giving a few details, but you do not run that full story. Well, thankfully, they didn't. Hallelujah. But this is the point. It went public. And I remember standing here And interestingly, this person used to sit to one of our elderly, next to one of our elderly pastors, Colin and Hazel Whitaker, who are now in glory. And I remember us pulling this man on the stage and saying, unfortunately, there is some news that's got out and we have to make it now public. I'm wanting to know that we're doing everything we need to do. And I remember Colin Hazel (laughs) in the late 80s. These were a very godly couple, very pure couple, standing with this man, arm around his shoulder, praying with him. My point that I wanted to make, sometimes things become public, you have to deal with them publicly, but oftentimes if we can keep things private, let's keep things private. And let's restore people gently. Have you got the point? I don't know why I've labored that, but you have to just go with it sometimes. But the point is we're going to deal with the sin. We deal with it, but we deal with it gently. But here's the other thought, be watchful, otherwise you may fall too. Can I just counsel men? Don't think that you can uh, help ladies. And ladies don't think you can counsel men because that's happened many times and they end up in affairs. Just saying. Be watchful. Keep a watch over your own life. Then goes on to say, carry one another's burdens. What he's basically saying here, Julius, listen, if somebody's got a burden, as the family of believers, let's carry it together. 
Is anybody feeling burdened today? This should be an opportunity for you to be able to just share that in a loving context and we try and help one another through. It also means that we're going to be inconvenienced at time. Who likes being inconvenienced here? I'm glad nobody raised their hand because I would have called you out as a downright liar. Okay? Because <laughs> the bottom line is most of us don't like being inconvenienced. He then goes on to say about having a sober opinion of yourself. We've been in London for a few days. Wow, there are some real John Travolta's who walk around thinking they're all that. I mean, I can strut, I can, you know, but the, I don't walk like that normally. It looks like I've wet my pants if I walk like that, doesn't it? But, but they strut around. The Bible says to us, listen, God might have blessed you with fabulous looks, a fabulous body, a fabulous head of hair. Thank you, Jesus. That's all I have in blood. I didn't make any other comment about those. It's certainly no fabulous body. We'll leave that one alone. But have a sober opinion of yourself. And then he says, don't compare yourself to others. Why does he say that? Because it's so dangerous. You'll always fall below. You always think everybody's better. And then he says, if you have anything good, share it with others. Anything you've received, God, share it with others. If you've got a truth, revelation, if you've had something that's impacted your heart, share it with others. We live in a world that tries to keep it away from others, but we should share it with others. And then he finally says, because he uses the example of spiritual farming and farming because he uses sowing and reaping. And he basically makes this very, very sobering comment that basically has a good and a bad consequence because he says, you will reap what you sow. Some people are saying, I don't know why this has happened to me. Why does all this rubbish keep happening to me? And when you evaluate their lives, all they sow is rubbish. Hello, I'm sorry if that's your life. The word of the Lord is stop sowing to the carnal nature, to the sinful nature. All you will reap is destruction. But if you'll sow to the life of the Spirit, you will reap the life of the Spirit. Great principles. And then just to the end, wow. It's just like in this section. And this is to us, church folk like us. Everybody say, church. Go on, do it, go on, I dare you. Just say it like that, church. When we've traveled in America, they all say, oh, go on, we're going to church. They love it, okay. This is to the church, he speaks. And then he says, verse 9 and 10, to land all, to draw all this that we've talked about somewhere in Galatia. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. And this is where I want to go just for my time that I've got with you. Another verse, way of saying this verse could translate... Let us not become weary in doing good to all. So let's think about this doing good to all. Now, I'd love to give you a free pass. Have you ever been to a place where there's a queue? Isn't it your dream? This is my dream life. This, this is my dream life. There's a massive queue and somebody comes along and says, Oh, sir, we notice you. You're such, you've got such a wonderful head of hair. Okay. We want to take you. Th- it's, it's my dream. 
Honestly, my, my dream, I'd love a dream pass, a dream ticket like that. I'd just love that. And I'd love one like this now where it basically gives me a caveat. This verse, Julie, gives me a caveat. Please give me a caveat. I'd love it to read, do good to most. <laughs> or do good to some. How about this one for those who work in the community? Do good to the deserving, the grateful, the thankful, the appreciative. Any, any nurses, any ex-nurses, any those in the medical profession, any teachers here, any those who work in government, do good. Uh, police officers, do good to those who are appreciative. <laughs> or, uh, or, I like this one, uh, Mr. Chris and Mrs. Chris, do good to those who are good. <laughs> I like that. Uh, amen. Everybody say amen. Oh, yeah, I like that. Do good to those who are good. But he doesn't say that. Oh. I want my get out of jail card. I want my caveat. I want my free pass. God, what are you thinking? Paul, shut up. He was the guy who wrote it, by the way. Okay. Give it a break. No, no, no. Galatia. Do good to all. Now, you may say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm poker face now. Christian's watching, poker face. I, I do good to everybody. In fact, I just love everybody. I just love everybody. I just love everybody. I'm just such a kind person. Even those who have hurt me, I forgive them. I've, I've, I've renewed my mind. But we all have... Someone. Is it a relative? Is it a neighbor? Is it a work colleague? Is it an old friend? Is it a frenemy? You keep them close to your friend, but really you just, you'd love to give them one, okay? Yeah. Oh, am I the only one? We all have people. I might be yours. And unfortunately, the Bible says, do good to all. The text and the original text and the original, original text is so clear in this verse. Do you want to tell me what it, what it says? What it means? Do good to all. <laughs> Everyone, without exception. No ambiguity. No compromise. Do good to all. Look at the person on the side of you. Look at the person behind you. Look at the person in front of you. It means do good to all. Now, what I will give you, he, this doing good to all, there are two kinds of people in the world. This is what Paul's addressing. Speaking it to the church. Remember, he's talking to the church, those who have stepped into faith like many of us. So there are people in the faith and there are people who are outside of the faith and there are only two kinds of people. Those who are Christians in faith and those who are outside of the faith. And so when he says do good to all, it's those who are in faith and those who are outside of faith. So let me just break it down for a moment. This doing good to those 
in the church. You may say that's easy. Well, let me tell you, as a pastor who's been, who's been pastoring now for nearly 30 years, some very cruel Christians. Did I just say that? I'm sorry if that upsets you, but that's the reality. But before you start pointing the finger, I've not always been kind. Sometimes I've probably been a bit cruel. And the Bible says, do good to all, especially to those who are in the family of believers. This doing good, let me break it down further, it just means basic kindness, generosity, love. But how many times in the church have we come across judgment? I mean, there has to be judgment. Don't give me all this, you don't, don't judge unless you be judged. That's taken out of context. There has to be judgment. There always is judgment. God is a, is a God of judgment. He's not a God of harshness, but he's a God of judgment. So there are times we have to make decisions about things, even as leadership. But we must always do it with a spirit of love and grace in our hearts. But I'm talking about something that's completely different to that. It's just basic judgment. Let me say it another way. Criticism. Condemnation. Where really you are glad that Tim's just tripped up. I was walking through the streets of London. This shows you how kind my son is. He asked him, was he going to be in the message? Well, he's now in the message. I'm walking along and, I, and I'm like this. Pothole. I was going to sue the borough council, but I thought, no, I can't do that, can I? Because I have to do good to all, okay. <laughs> I am joking, because I'm not that kind, built from that kind of cloth. This lad. <laughs> See, now in my message, okay. People love and they're watching for you to trip over. Have you been like that? Of course you're not going to add that. But there's, there's some people, we're just looking for them to trip up. This is what he's addressing. Backbiting. Don't all look down. We've all done it. Let me say it another way. Have I just said this? Slagging people off. And then oftentimes I've heard people say, but we need to pray for them. Yeah, right, okay. We have this phrase in the pastoral ministry, how many times has the pastor been for lunch? Not been at your house, but has been on the table, being spewed up over lunch. Criticism, backbiting, bad-mouthing, being dismissive. Am I driving this deep enough? I'm letting you know where I, this is where I've been at times. I'm not, I'm not free from this. We can all run to this kind of behavior at times. But Paul says, do good to all. Everybody say, do good to all. Do good to all. Jesus said this, by the love that you have for people, they'll you know that you're my disciple. The genuine love that you show. Whilst we were on holiday, we heard a lady, a very articulate lady. We found out she was a Christian. She made this statement that's just live with me. She just says you should live in such a way that demands an explanation. 
At that point, we didn't know she was a Christian, but then we got it. Live in such a way that demands an explanation. You may say, well, what does that mean? Let me break that down for you just for a minute. They, you just live the way that you live your life with such purity and just such honesty and such generosity and such love. And you say, is that possible? Yes, it is possible. Because Jesus and the Spirit-led life, this is what Paul is leading us into. If we will be led by the Spirit, we'll walk in those things. And people will need to know what is different with you, Eleanor. There's the explanation. I've been observing your life from afar. I cannot get, even on the dark days, you're still joyful. Even when things are going wrong, where the boss is chewing you out. Oh, yeah, I'm your boss, aren't I? Okay. Um, <laughs> rewind. Okay. The explanation is, well, I'm a lover of God. And that means I just love people. And they've got it. It's not in a sickly way. Have you got it? We live in such a way that demands an explanation. Let me move quickly. Because for me, the kindest of people are the coolest of people. I used to think that coolness was how you dress and how you looked and the hairstyle. And I keep going on about hair. I don't know why. Um, and, uh, but now I've realized the kindest of people are the coolest of people. I remember Miss Collier who came into TSB Wolverton Bank when I was down there as a 17, 18 year old lad and I got to know this lady and she was a spinster. She lived with her sister actually and um, she got a few quid actually in the bank and that isn't why I looked after her nicely but uh, anyway, just got chatting to her and just very kind with her and just on my real journey of faith and it seemed like nobody was really bothered with her. They thought she was a little strange. I, I didn't and and then it, uh, it transpired that she went to a little church in, in Wolverton, and she was a Christian. And I remember telling her that I'd actually put handed my notice in and, and, and made a decision that I was going to take a step of faith. And she asked me, when was I leaving? I said, it would be a month's time, and that was it. And she would come in, as you did then. They used to come in every week, didn't they, to the bank, pay in and withdraw out, pay your bills, whatever. I remember on the last time she came and... She, she, she presented me with a check and said, I want to invest in your ministry journey. Now, I had to go to my manager and say, am I allowed to accept this gift? Because, of course, I'm in the bank. And he said, well, it's your last day, so I don't see why not. Just cash it on Monday, okay? You don't want to work for us any longer, okay? The point I'm making is it wasn't just about the money. She was just kind. I remember. She's, she'll, be, she'll be long gone. She'll be in glory. Miss Collier, Doris Collier. The kindest of people are the coolest of people. Remember that. And Paul loves to speak into it. And he says, we should be kind and we should do good to all. And this means Christians. Let me remind you there in verse 10, he says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Can I encourage you simply, because we need to move at pace. Can I encourage you, if you're part of this church, to do good to all? Especially to those of family of believers, yes? There's the challenge. So there's no backbiting, no condemning. We're uplifting. And if you can't live like that, then you need to go and seek some counsel and some help. You need to bring those things before the Lord. Because that is how Lord, the Lord wants us to live. Okay, secondly, who else? Well, to those outside the faith. And like I've said, another way of saying this verse is, let us work for the good of all. 
Now, you must understand something here. This was not like a floating on clouds kind of experience church that they were in. They were in first century. They were Christians. They were outcasts. They were the minority. They were persecuted. There was cruel practices around. There was idolatry. There was all kinds of strange things happening. Sounds quite similar to this century. And it's into this that Paul speaks because he basically says to them, even those who hate you, even those who persecute you, let us not become weary in doing good to all. Jesus said it best in Matthew 5 verse 16 from the contemporary English version. And he says this, make your light shine so others will see the good you do. And we'll praise your Father in heaven. You'll never know what that kindness of card, that kindness of cake, that kindness is doing to someone. Now, I know there are people in our world, I have people in my world who are incredibly difficult. People who don't even talk to us, won't even talk to us. But I've been challenged. Even those people do good to all. You may say, well, what about those who are hurtful and unkind and sometimes even hateful? Can I take you to a verse in Romans 12? This won't come on the screen. I was reading over it the last couple of days. <laughs> Verses 19 to 21. I can see you've got a lot of notepads and pens, which is great. Romans 12, verse 19 to 21. This is what Paul says to the church at Rome. He says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Let me just say, it's a dangerous place when you hand people into the hands of God, the judgment of God. I've seen it. Where I've not been able to do any more. And I've said, okay, God. Invariably, it does not go well for them. I don't say that with any glee. And then he says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And then finally he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with... Overcome evil with... Here we are again. Do good to all. Do good to those who are in the church, especially the family of the believers. Do good to those outside... It may be hateful and hurtful. And now one other thought, because I need to land two other things. This doing good, some commentators, and I've never looked at it before, and when I've really delved into the text, many commentators actually believe this to be true. Now Paul was addressing a moral position, and why I raised this, because I want you to get the full counsel of the scriptures, but I think it has a particular context again with all the news that's around. Because Paul, his usual way, if you don't know anything about him, was he was going on missionary journeys. He was going to different places, teaching and preaching and laying foundations, then moving on to other areas and pioneering churches. And very often, there would be a gathering of people, and sometimes there were large gatherings of people, and he was aware of needs in other places. And he would say to that church, so for example, I'm now Paul traveling around, and Ilkerson, I'm here, and I'm aware that there's a need in Mansfield, financial need. They're in crisis. 
And he would say to them, listen, it's our responsibility to do good to all. This includes leveraging what we have on behalf of others. Have you got that? And he would take an offering. And that offering would then be presented to Paul and he wouldn't use it for himself. And he would then carry that offering over to Mansfield. And say to the brothers and sisters there, this is the needs that you've got. Here is an offering from your brothers and sisters in Ilkeston who want to be a blessing to you. And there was great rejoicing. Have you got it? In Galatia, he wasn't able to do that as forthright, many commentators believe, because the church was tense. Everybody say tense. You may say, no, I'm not in church. Listen, there's been many times over the years I felt church has been a little tense. And church was tense. And he didn't feel able to say what he really wanted to say. So he just tried to get in there and be saying, do good to all. And he was, yes, addressing the moral side, but he was also addressing the fact that there are brothers and sisters in other parts of the world who are in need of help. Would you help them? Why do I say all that? Well, one, you need to get that. Doing good doesn't just mean that you can have a smile and then keep what you want to yourself. Doing good means we live our lives with kindness and generosity. But can I also say, in this present crisis that we're in, energy, spiraling costs, we've got it as a church and community. We're having to figure out a lot of things. You'll get to hear all this. Lots and lots of things that we're trying to figure out. Because we're impacted with that. We don't get any concession because we're charities. Everybody's tightening, the donations aren't coming in. Simply, I'm just saying, church, Ilkeston, those who have more than you need, will you do good to all? Those who haven't, we understand you may be a receiver of that. Don't worry about that. You receive it. But those who have much, let us share what we have. I'm not asking you to empty your bank accounts. I'm just saying, just do good to all. Does that make sense? And that's what Paul is saying. Oh, it feels a little tense now, Lisa. I don't know why, but I'm going to go back up the stage and move on. But have you got it? Do good to all, not just from a moral standpoint, but also from the standpoint of sharing what we have with others. Now, finally, because time is gone. This thought of doing good to all is then also wrapped up in this. Let's go back to verse 9. He says this, let us not become weary in doing good. Now, Paul uses the thought of a spiritual farmer or farming, sowing and reaping. And he uses it in a spiritual context. And even this verse of let us not become weary as a context to a farm worker. Let me just say this way. There is only one danger that faces all spiritual farmers and we're all spiritual farmers here today if we're in Christ only one thing that can hinder the harvest and it's doubly expressed in this passage with the thought of losing heart and despairing let me say it this way growing tired and weary I'm drawing this to a close I wonder how many times we have allowed weariness to overtake our thoughts and our emotions and our words. Weariness, growing weary. 
is a constant challenge to any relationship. Husband and wife, children, family. But it's also apt to those who have people-focused vocations. Let me just say for a moment, those teachers, those police officers, those nurses, those doctors, those government workers, those pastors. Because the most tiring thing in the world are people. And we can easily get weary with people. This leads us to the place where we lose a harvest. Let me repeat it to you. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap harvest if we do not give up. Those care workers, those who are in our communities, caring for people and helping people and serving, let us not become weary in doing. Those, those who serve in practical means, in buildings and caretakers and cleaners and those who serve in restaurants, let us not become weary in doing good. And this Old Testament thought and phrase that Paul uses, because very often workers, farm workers, would gird up their loins. They would gird their belts up because they are ready to do some work. They would gird up their garments ready for work. But the opposite is equally true. The opposite is they would slacken off their garments while they're winding down. And it's into this that this phrase weariness comes. Have you got it? It was a thought that a disheartened farmer, nothing was happening. People weren't being appreciative. Nothing was happening. No breakthrough was taking care. The prayers that I prayed, the work that I've done is all worthless. And the disheartened farmer, instead of keep girding up his loins for work, he slackens off. And he undoes his belt. And he grows weary I wonder if that's a picture of you have you got weary are you weary are you fed up are you frustrated have things not happened how you've wanted them to come about I'm here to encourage you let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. You may have given up on your calling. You may have given up on your husband. You may have given up on your wife. You may be giving up on your grandkids, on your relatives, on your work friends. Nothing has changed. Nothing's moved. Nothing's improved. Some people, even worse, they give up on God. Some people have quit God. And by the way, people have quit church. And it was happening pre-COVID. Certainly it happened over COVID. They have quit church in their tens of thousands in this nation alone. They become weary. All I want to say is I feel that that's a really dangerous place to be. You may say, well, I would say that. No, I know it because of my own life. I felt like quitting. I felt like giving up. I felt like, forget this lot. We'll go, Caroline, we're going to do something else. It's a dangerous place to be. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the right time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. So I finally want to say, I look at the locations, I look at the ministries, I look at you people, I look at your vocations, I look at your families, I look at your marriages, 
I look at your kids, I look at your grandkids, and some of them I don't even know. But I want to say, and I want to remind you, to keep doing good. Keep going. Why? Because a harvest, oh, a harvest, I need to, a harvest is on its way. Let us not grow weary in doing good for the right time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. In Elkiston, in Mansfield, in Belper, in Nottingham, in The Hub, in Toulouse, in our community operations, amongst children, amongst young people, amongst seniors, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep believing. We're going to keep believing for the harvest. In Jesus' name. Time's gone. I wonder if you'd pray with me. Just bow your heads for a moment. Any people who, while every eye is closed, who does not know the Lord but wants to be led, begin the journey of coming into faith in Jesus Christ. For Him to be your Lord and Savior. He loves you. We've sung about it. He's God. Is there anybody here today, while every eye is closed and head is bowed, who says, yes, I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. You've never done it before. Why don't you just raise your hand where you are and then put it down again. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just raise your hand where you are. Let me pray for you. Don't leave this place without not knowing that you've made your peace with God. Is there anybody here today? One last time. Just remain in prayer. We're going to get there in a minute before we get to the fire bell and everything else. This is really important business. And I don't normally get you to stand up. But I am going to ask you to stand up in a moment for those who, who know it. You're struggling in a moment. Some people are struggling to do good. The Lord spoke to me. He says, it's going to be a challenge for some people. You're just struggling to do good. You know you need to do good. You've tried to do good. It's been through back in your face. You just want to do good. And you need the Lord to help you. And I haven't got any easy answers. But the best place to be is just throw yourself in the hands of God again. And say, God, I want to do good in this. Would you help me? In a moment, not yet. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as a response to God, not to me, to God. But there's a second group of people that I know you're weary. You're weary. You're tired. Oh, you've just fed up. You're slacking in off the belt. And you know you've been weary. And God doesn't come to condemn you. He understands that. Again, Jesus said, let all those who are weary and burdened come to me you'll find rest so if you're struggling to do good and you need the help of God why don't you stand to your feet if you are one of those people who've been weary you're tired and you're just saying God I need your help why don't you stand to your feet come on there are people I know don't look around you in this moment one thing I would encourage you to do is probably just open your hands to the Lord and just receive what he wants to give to you what he wants to give to you is precious. It's beautiful. It's precious. Come on, just lift your hands just out to the Lord. Just receive from him. Lord, there are people who 
not standing, struggling to do God. We're all there at times. And I ask God that you would strengthen them. You would speak to them. That you would encourage them. They would first of all know your kindness and your love over their lives. And you would give to them that which they need with that awkward person or awkward persons. That they would find a place of release where they do good. There are people who are weary here today. They become weary in doing good. I pray, Lord, that strength, strength would be theirs in abundance. Pour in your strength. Holy Spirit, do your work. Work in power in people's hearts, minds, and bodies in this moment of prayer. We receive from you all that we need. May weariness be gone. May strength come. As we wait upon you, may strength arise as we wait upon the Lord. And as a church, may we continue to do good to all in faith and those outside of faith. By this, people will know that we're your disciples. And we ask this in Jesus' name.